Welcome, friends, and thanks for deciding to spend uh, a few minutes of your time listening to the FayeObserver.com Best Music of 2008 podcast. I am Greg Phillips, Fantasy Blogger, and I'm here with Observer Entertainment writer Brain Dukes. Now, that's not my accent. His <laughs> name's actually Brian, but it shows up on our company's caller ID system as Brain, and who am I to argue with that? Brian, how are you doing? I'm fine, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure for us to be here, and... Uh, we should say, first of all, that there's been a ton of terrific music released mm. this year. Quite literally, I think, if you weighed enough copies of it. Yeah. And uh, in the few minutes we've got allotted, we couldn't possibly hope to cover all of it. No. And music appreciation being the subjective discipline that it is, uh, what we're hoping to do here is just share with you some of the music that moved us and continue to move us all year. And hopefully you'll find something in here to appreciate. And uh, if you don't, or if you do, either way, we'd love to hear your views, and we've got a special blog established on our website for that purpose, which you can find at blogs.fayobserver.com slash share, S-H-A-R-E. So please do go and uh, put some links and tell us what you loved uh, about uh, music in 2008 and what you liked and didn't like about this podcast. So, with that out of the way, let's get cracking. We're going to count down some of our favourites here, and Brian is going to start us off. What you got for us, Brian? Well, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and start off with, uh, with the one that's probably going to generate the most uh, uh, discussion between the two of us. Uh, my, my, my number four pick is Vampire Weekend. Uh, of course, they're, they're, they're self-titled uh, mm-hmm. Vampire Weekend. Uh, now, this is why I like the album. Um, it's, it's great on, in, in, in my words, a Paul Simon Graceland level of, of brilliance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Anyways, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of great energy, a lot of catchy rhythms. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of it's self-aware, kind of uh, Scottish, you know, silliness uh, here and there. But it's just so much fun and infectious that you're, you're just bopping along, and and you know, you you just don't care. It's a really, it's a good, fun album, and very, you know, are well done. I think. So what are we going to hear from this? Uh, what snippet are you going to play us from this? I, I believe we're going to hear uh, a, a snippet from uh, Cape Cod Quasa Quasa, which is a absolutely horrible name for uh, for a song title. Uh, but it, it uh, the minute it starts, you're going to hear that that Paul Simon Graceland influence. So that was uh, a bit of Cape Cod Quasa Quasa uh, <laughs> from from Vampire Weekend, and, and Brian very eloquently put the the case for the album. Um, I'm just spending a few seconds here telling you why um, this album <laughs> okay. makes me feel like I'm having pencils rammed into my eye sockets, <laughs> and perhaps that reaction is a bit strong. I mean, you know, it's not a terrible album, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm, I'm all for a bit of Afrobeat world music, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, been listening to a lot of View Farcatore recently, but I couldn't put him on this list because the album came out in 2006. Uh, so I've got no problem with that kind of innovation, but it's not all that innovative, and it, and it just strikes me this album as as really gimmicky. Uh, you know, you, you got no, you got these these preppy New England types, and it's like, oh, look at us, we're jaunty and Afrobeaty, and <laughs> now there's the one track, A Punk, which is a really bouncy track, and, and I enjoyed yes. it in a, in a disposable sort of way. But the disposability is key to me here. I, I kind of look at this band. I think in a few years, people are going to regard this band as they do like the Strokes now. 
like the, when the, ah. the first Strokes album came out, I really liked it. I got it. They brought out another album that was exactly the same, and I got that too. And then they just sort of faded away. I never bothered with their third album. Now all of a sudden, you know, they're critical pariahs. Oh, the Strokes! You didn't like the Strokes back in two thousand one, did you? And, and I, I still like the Strokes, but I can't stand Vampire Weekend, and I think they're going to be a bit <laughs> of a bad joke. In a, in a few uh, years, and see uh, the, the the Paul Simon thing too. It's a, it, clearly they've been listening to a lot of Graceland, but to try and elevate this album to that level, uh, just forget it. I mean, you know, Paul Simon brought African music to the to the Western masses, to the coffee table generation, and sure. he deserves a, a lot of plaudits for that. It's a wonderful album, but to suggest that this is uh, in any way it's good, I don't know. It, it's just blasphemous. Just oh, really, ouch! Really. All right, all right. Well, what, what's your number four, Greg? Okay, um, my number four pick uh, is. Uh, an album by a band called The Shortwave Set, who are from Deptford, which is a kind of forgotten corner of southeast London. I don't know what the uh, the American equivalent would be. I don't know, like Hackensack, New Jersey or something. I've never <laughs> been there, but it's Des Moines. Right, yeah, something like that. Um, and although this album is not actually available in its physical form in the US, but that's not me trying to be willfully obscure. You can find it on iTunes, and I would urge you to do so. Um, but, and they're not a fringe act. This uh, is their second album. And their first album, uh, they described it as Victorian funk, was the kind of sound. <laughs> and it was put together mostly with samples from, found from records in, you know, l- long-forgotten records in uh, thrift stores and such. But it gained them, uh, you know, such a following that there are a lot of big names working on this record. DJ Danger Mouse, who I know you're a big fan big, of, yeah. he, he called them up said, I want to produce your record. If you can find the money to fly out to L.A., then I'll do it. They did. John Cale of the Velvet Underground scored the strings for wow. it. Van Dyke Parks, who was Brian Wilson's lyricist, conducted the orchestra for it. Wow. And they created, it's, this, it's a sumptuous pop masterpiece there are still some samples on this thing but but it's not a, a sample dominated record it's just gorgeous and, and one of the things I love about it is that you've got these gorgeous sounds that are counterbalanced by some really quite miserable lyrics in places it's quite morbid <laughs> yes, and maudlin yes. but they're, they're, there's just a, um, a joy in the music that that that, that somehow counterbalances the lyrics and makes them they're in perfect balance okay. and, and that's reflected in the, in the vocals you've got a male vocalist and a female vocalist who although they're Vocals are in completely different ranges. They just complement one another so well. Oh. To me, it just create it just create a slab of perfection. And we're going to play a little snippet now of uh, which I believe was the first single from the uh, from the album, which is called "No Social." I gotta tell you, uh, I, I listened to this album. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and my first thought was, uh, are these are these kids like some weird kind of descendants uh, of a of a forgotten love child between Beck and Pink Floyd? Maybe some kind of funky. Uh, I think they take that as a compliment. I well, I, no, I, and I mean it as a compliment. However, uh, uh, regardless of how great a psychedelic product it is, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. They they can't carry a tune in a bucket. Vocally, <laughs> vocally, the the album is is dull. There, there's there's you know great sound, horrible voices. It just, uh, I just I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sure all the kids in the Amsterdam hash bars are loving this album, <laughs> but 
But uh, there's nothing vocally here interesting whatsoever. You know, Brian, there, there's an album that came out, and it didn't make either of our lists uh, this year, by Q-Tip, uh, the rapper who's in A Tribe Called Quest. And uh, you, may, uh, you may know that uh, the rapper Q-Tip took his name from these uh, earbud things. They've got cotton on the end, and you use them to clean wax out of your ears so you can hear <laughs> properly. And clearly, if, you, if you're not enjoying the vocals on this record, then, then there are some, you've got some hearing problems. Right. You know, and I, I respect your opinion, just not that one. Just not that one. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on, sir. Uh, the next album on my list is the, uh, the third album from Portishead, appropriately titled Third. Now, if uh, it, it's been about 12, 11 or 12 years since Portishead has come out with, with anything, so they've really fallen off the map. So, you know, those listening to this podcast may not exactly be familiar with Portishead, but just, uh, you know, they, they, they got their start making, uh, taking samples, you know, kind of hip hop samples and big bass beat samples and kind of mixing that with, you know, full sound orchestras and very kind of you know, uh, weird, you know, atmospheric sounds, and it really, really worked. Well, on this, on this third album, they, they don't go back to that same well exactly. Like, gone are, gone are the samples. Uh, they, they've kind of evolved their sound into more of a, uh, you know, weird machine beat kind of thing in some instances, and, and in other instances, like in this clip we're about, we're about to introduce, uh, they really have this kind of 1960s spy, you know, film noir genre thing kind of going on uh and in in any regards uh it's a brilliant album uh, a lot of great sound to it and i think what we're going to do is we're going to hear a clip from the first track on their third album called silence So, okay, so that was a bit of silence uh, from Porter's Head. Now, you know, I like Porter's Head. I've got no problem with Porter's Head. Dummy, you know, first album was fantastic. Mm -hmm. and, and I wouldn't say this was a bad album. Uh, I, I would say that it could do with a few more changes of pace. I mean, I know you mentioned the way that the, the, the sound has changed, and, uh, and I suppose in terms of uh, superficially that's... Well, not superficially, but mm -hmm. the, the way that they're creating their sound has changed. But they're creating the same kind of sound. And... My only issue with that is that it could do with a few more changes of pace. There was an advertising campaign once in England for a, a, a varnished thing. So it does exactly what it says on the tin. And it's become a, a common phrase, you know, to, mm. for something that you know going in. I mean, it seems churlish to criticise Porter's Head for being a bit miserable. For, right. Because they're <laughs> Porter's Head. That's what they do. That's what they do. But, you know, I don't know. I thought we could have done with a few more changes of pace. It certainly wouldn't have made a my year endless. But, you know, I, I can't seriously take too much of an issue with, uh, with, with picking Porter's Head. Reminded me, reminded me, actually, of another great album that came out this year that didn't quite make my list by the Gutter Twins I don't know if you're familiar with that Greg Dooley well. of the Afghan Wigs and Mark Lanigan who was in the Screaming Trees and then latterly uh, a part time Queens of the Stone Age like I know all those bands I just uh, no right. idea about Gutter Twins well it's, it's one of those where you know it's, it's a kind of 3am stormy night album you know <laughs> when when uh, when you you kind of uh, indulging the bits of your brain that you might keep kind of quiet during the day Porter's Head are a similar kind of band to that you know they're not right. the band that you're going to put on when it's a bright morning and you're feeling good about the world <laughs> no, and the no, sun no. is shining yeah, you no, might no, go no. to the shortwave set for that, perhaps. Maybe, uh, maybe you wouldn't. I would. Um, but yeah, that's a, this is a four in the morning record, and of course, every year needs a four a.m. record. Sure, sure. 
So anyway, okay. What's next on your list? Uh, what's next on my list? My list, we're going to go to my number three, which uh, was the third album by the Brooklyn band TV on the radio. Now, uh, they've been a, a critically lauded band ever since uh, they first came out. They released an EP in 2003 or four, I think it was, and, and that was fantastic. And uh, they've just been a critical snowball since then. But their first two full-length albums, for a lot of people, uh, and to a lesser extent maybe me, uh, they had, you know, they had the uh, relentless experimentation and interesting sounds, but sometimes the melodies weren't quite there. And the wonderful thing about this album is that there are melodies all over the place. It's an incredibly accessible album with the necessary exposure. I think it could have been a huge, huge seller, but it's still very experimental. Mm. There are a lot of interesting things going on there. Uh, and, and again, you've got the, 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 the counterbalance of some really optimistic sounding songs with some kind of doom-laden lyrics. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> have likened it to, you know, kind of the end of the Bush era and the kind of paranoia that a lot of people have felt about the way the country has been over the last few years. Of course, that depends on your political leanings, but still, it's a fantastic record. And we're going to hear a little bit of the, uh, the lead-off single from that album right now, which is called Golden Age. No, you can't stop what's coming up, you're never gonna stop, we're gonna live it up and no one's gonna drop, gonna fill your cup and no one's gonna drop, gonna fill your cup. You're a miracle. Well, Greg, I have to tell you that uh, I, I I agree that uh, I actually I thought this album would be a little bit higher uh, on your list, uh, seeing as how uh, it's been ranked uh, in the top one or two or three spots on a lot of different other uh, uh, not not as esteemed as ours uh, right. lists. Well, but, of course, uh, there's a list. Uh, now, I have to tell you that uh, that that I find TV on the radio's first two albums, uh, Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes, and Return to Cookie Mountain. Uh, those were very um, Mars Volta ish, you know. Very, yeah, I can see that. Very progressive rock that I could care less for. Like, like I, I, I really thought, okay, here's an album that's important, and I should be listening to it because everyone else thinks it's important, but, but I, I really can't stand it. Right. That, that, that was my opinion of the, of the first two efforts, and so I had no hopes whatsoever for the third effort, which is called Dear Science. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned that. Probably shouldn't. Uh, maybe, uh, but I'm here to catch you. Uh, so, so, anyways, but after listening to Dear Science, uh, thank you for letting me borrow it. By the way. Uh, I, you know, my opinion's 180. Like this, in, in my opinion, in this one album, they have gone from from being this Mars Volta-ish band to being uh, a Brooklyn version of of Block Party. In, 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 I, I I I don't know if that like I just came up with that off the top of my head, but I really think it's true because I couldn't get past the first track. Uh, the, the name escapes me, but it's such a great song. You just listen to it like six times, and then you know the Half rest. Halfway home. Is the name yes, of it. yes, and and the, and the rest of the album is just so good as well. Um, and and plus uh, any 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 album that has a it, its first track that has that starts off with a clap track right. is is cake with me. So so clapping clapping that's the clap the, tracks. That's the secret to my heart. That's the secret to my heart. So much clapping on the Vampire Weekend album. I didn't I didn't know. Uh, I was too busy pulling the pencils out of my eye sockets. <laughs> All right, moving they're, on. They're, kind of, they're, they're a clappy band, aren't they, Vampire? Yes, yes, they should be clappy. They, they on should their be. You, you would think that there would be a lot of yeah. uh, clappy acts on their music. Anyways, we're going to move on to. Uh, well, speaking of DJ Danger Mouse, uh, a couple minutes ago or whatever, uh, Narls Barkley is uh, is in the number two spot on my list. Uh, the Odd Couple. It's their uh, follow up uh, release to their smash debut called Saint Elsewhere, and I have to tell you that uh, if. If you were alive in the last five years, you heard crazy. 
I mean, crazy was just all over the place. And I reckon probably, there were probably some dead people that heard it. So There's it. probably a lot of dead people who, uh, who heard it. Uh, but um, now, this, this album, uh, The Odd Couple, it doesn't have a, a crazy level of greatness as far as a single is concerned. But overall, uh, CeeLo Green, who's the rapper, and DJ Danger Mouse, who provides the beats, uh, CeeLo Green is much more comfortable and much more soulful with his voice on this album. It, it, it really, he really, really gets into a groove, uh, no pun intended, uh, but I mean, he's just so much more comfortable, and so the music is, is so much more natural and, and expressionistic. Um, the, 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 the clip I want to uh, introduce here real quick is called uh, Blind Mary, and it's got a great beat, and it's a lot of fun, and it's just, uh, in, in my mind, it's not crazy, but it, it is a better representation of what their sound is really about. So that was a snippet of Blind Mary uh, from Niles Barkley's second album, The Odd Couple. And uh, you won't find too much argument with me uh, uh, based on from what Brian said about this album. I mean, it is a terrific album. I would say that if you've heard, if you've got um, the first album, St. Elsewhere, then unless you really, really, really loved it, there's not a massive amount of reason to buy this album because it's, it's almost it's, it's a very similar album. You know, it, I mean, it doesn't yeah. advance their sound a great deal. Right, but that said, uh, if you want to look at an album, you know, just having some cracking songs on it. I mean, this does. Who's going to save my soul? Is a terrific song. Oh, so and, great. And run. And the thing about CeeLo Green, the man, the man's voice is terrifying. He's got a fantastic voice, but I mean, I, I'm just scared of the guy. They they recorded a set for Austin Silly Limits, you know, that shows on mm-hmm. PBS, and uh, and I had it on a couple of Sundays ago. And and really, I wanted to run away because the man. I mean, you wonder if they're just leading him off stage afterwards and just taking him to a safe environment. Because <laughs> and, and it's a mark. I mean, he is a throwback. Song. Singer, oh, not sure. only is a guy got terrific range and power, but the man emotes. I mean, like I say, when he when he's telling you to run away, he's, he's telling he, you, right? You want to you want to follow you want to follow the man's advice uh, because he you know he's, he's really he's really quite chilling. He's very very Al Green, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of Otis Redding in there too. I think. Yes. I mean, the only thing I would knock about the album, I mean, it, it is kind of schizophrenic, and that's mm-hmm. the, the, that's their whole aesthetic, that's their sound. But then that leads to some tracks that uh, are just so experimental as to be well. You know, it's like, well, what? It, 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 they don't necessarily fit. You've got mm-hmm. these great soulful tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, the whole album should be whitewashed with all of those, but I think um, the, the vocal performance that he gives on some of those songs makes some of the other ones just seem a bit insubstantial by comparison. Sure. To sure. where, like, if you boiled that down into a six track EP, it would be like one of the best six track EPs ever. Ever. But, yeah. but there, is, there is a little bit of, uh, of dead weight on there, I think, by comparison. Maybe it's different. You make a really good point. Uh, and I just want to say one more thing, and then we'll move on. You know, I, after after I went back and listened to Saint Elsewhere again uh, before you know, coming up with my thoughts for for this podcast, and it really felt like the Odd Couple was really Saint Elsewhere one point five. Right. You know, so it's a really uh, great uh, observation by you. But it, it's still there's still enough on the Odd Couple that you know, in my opinion, distinguishes it just enough from Saint Elsewhere. Or at least if if you're listening to the Odd Couple immediately after Saint Elsewhere, uh, you should be able to say, "Oh well, here's where they here's where they got more soul." Right. right, right. But anyways, we'll move on. What's next on your list, sir? Okay. Well, we're we're getting down to cases now. 
the uh, the number two. On, well, well, actually, before we got to the right, number right, two, right, 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 right. But then, well, we've already done your number two, so let's do my number two, yes. uh, so to speak. Yes. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll come back to our little detour that we're going to take in a minute. Uh, the number two on my list uh, is an album that came with uh, some prepackaged mythology that almost makes you think that it's more hype than music, but it's not. It's uh, Bon Iver or Bon Iver to uh, give it the correct French pronunciation, which means Good Winter. Uh, it's a guy called Justin Vernon, Justin Vernon, who was in a band uh, actually in Raleigh, uh, and the band was going nowhere, and they kicked him out, or it tanked, or he quit, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and uh, he lost his girlfriend too. So he retreated to his family's cabin in the Minnesota woods and spent the winter, you know, subsisting on I don't know acorns or whatever, <laughs> and writing the, the this kind of folk rock masterpiece of an album. Um, it's nine tracks. It's not all that long. But it, uh, it, it's uh, jaw-droppingly beautiful to me. It's called Forever, Forever Ago. Uh, and it's a very simple album in some ways. You know, there's, there's very little instrumentation. It's him, it's the guitar. There's uh, the, the vocals are multi-tracked, not in a way to make it sound like this you know, huge operatic thing. Uh, and if anything, that just contributes to the, the, the small sound. It's a very intimate-sounding album. Um, and, you know, there are breakup albums are mm-hmm. a dime a dozen, to, sure. to use a well-worn phrase. But this isn't an album, I think, that mopes around about, oh, you know, she done left me. Uh, it's just <laughs> a beautiful kind of rumination on life, the universe, and everything, if you like, uh, but in the details. And, but although the one thing that really sells this album for me is the, the last track, which is called Re Colon Stacks. There's no easy way to say that, Re no, Stacks, however. Yeah. It looks like, a, like an email message or something. It but, does. Um, but that song is so beautiful. Uh, and, and it comes down to the vocals. His vocal performance, performance on that song is so flawless that, frankly, the rest of the album could have been Vampire Weekend. And <laughs> I would still, I would still love it. Um, uh, and, and this album is truly one of those that you know John Lennon once said. I don't know if he was the first to say it. That I guess writing about music is like dancing about architecture. This is one album that I really can't uh, do any kind of justice to in words. So let's hear a little snippet of that song. This is Restacks by Bon Iver. This is boring, this is paralyzed. All right, uh, that was Restacks from uh, Bon Jovi, Bon Iver, whatever. <laughs> you couldn't help it. Uh, no, I couldn't. Uh, oh, God, I, I hated this album. Uh, what? Look, it's beautiful and boring. It's it's gorgeous and geriatric. It's intimate and irritating. It's superb and snooze-inducing. I'm both angry and amazed at how talented Justin Vernon is. But this album is way, way too introspective. It it, it tries too hard to be that album. Like, you know, obviously on the podcast, you can't, you folks can't see me making the air quotes here, but I'm making the air quotes See, anybody that. that makes air quotes, I mean, you know right there that their <laughs> opinion is, is not going to be hey, worth it. That does not invalidate my criticism, sir. It's just, look, it's it just, the, the, the track um, Skinny Love, the track Skinny Love uh, yes. uh, was, was recently featured, I don't know if it was recently, but it, it was featured on an episode of House. And it was like the one episode of House I, I had bothered to sit down and watch uh, from beginning to end uh, in, in months. And, and it was just so overly manipulative and, and just, hey, here's your heartstrings. We're not just going to pull on them. We're going to tie them in a knot and, and surgically expose them to acid or whatever. 
It was just, it, it, I nearly wanted to puke, and it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to kind of cross, you know, TV criticism and, and, and music criticism in a situation like this, because we're just supposed to be talking about the music, but, but that's how I felt about the whole album, it was like, every album was this guy's depressing confession, uh, I, I wondered, Greg, for your mental health, I was like, my God, is Greg, is this a message to me, is Greg sad, does Greg need a hug, because this album makes me want to kill myself, I, I just, I, or at least doze off on some Xanax or something. I mean, yes, it's it's great that in a, in a songwriting standpoint, it is a masterpiece. But there's there's no there's no appropriate time to listen to this album. Like, when do you listen to this album? When when you're you know half baked or when you're when you're you know half in the tank from wine? When 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 your dog dies? I mean, is this is this like the folk country equivalent of a Garth Brooks album? I, I just. God. I couldn't. I couldn't find a home for it. I'm like, like I was trying to think. Okay, when, when would would I would I play this? Out? I think the only time I would play this album is if I was if I had like an eight hour drive, and and this was just something I could listen to over and over again and just let it sink in and absorb it. But there is no other time because it's way too sad. Okay, so what you've just said to me is, you know, it's 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 terrible, it's boring, it's miserable, and it's sad. But you would spend an eight hour drive listening to it. So. Uh, you know, listeners, you, you can gather here that Brian's obviously a little bit confused. He loves this album. <laughs> he just hasn't quite realised it yet. I mean, and I really thought more of you than to say, oh, this makes me want to kill myself. I mean, everybody knows some of the most beautiful music right. in the world ever right. is some of the saddest music. And, it, right. and, and sad music doesn't make you sad, doesn't have to make you sad. I mean, look at Nick Drake. You know, Nick Drake, one of the... And finally, you know... Uh, Good 30 years after his death, getting some of the uh, appreciation that he deserved sure. and didn't get during his lifetime. And the, the man writes incredibly sad music, but it's just so uplifting. And that's what I find about this album. I mean, it's, sure, the subject matter is sad. And as I mentioned earlier, the subject matter has been covered a million times before. But here, it's all about the presentations in the music and the way that it's played, the way that it was written and the way that it's sung is just a thing of such beauty that it makes me feel completely the opposite of sad, which for the emotionally stunted like Brian here means <laughs> happy, the opposite of sad being happy. Right. It's a gorgeous album, it's a delightful album and uh, you know, if, if you get so savage on it, I think what you're doing here is you're succumbing to that whole well you know, uh, I'm being a critic here so I've got I've to come up with some witty repartee and instead of that you've just driven into a cul-de-sac and slammed into a brick wall and I'm going to have to call <laughs> EMS to come and resuscitate you, but I don't know if there's well, much left, you know, to, right. to, to, to save here. They can take you to the hospital and maybe House will come see you and they can play, oh, some, God. play some of this music to make you feel better oh, on, on the eight-hour drive. That'll I don't know. be it. That'll be it. That was a snippet of Better by Guns N' Roses from Chinese Democracy, the long-running joke being that uh, democracy was going to come to China before this album came out. For those of you in the dark, uh, this is the new album from Guns N' Roses. Their last album of all original material came out in 1991, which is 17 years ago, which also happens to be exactly half the lives ago of myself and Brian here. Yes. Uh, you know, Axl Rose has been through some $13 million, reportedly, and uh, a number of guitarists and producers and musicians. There was that chicken head guy and... <laughs> Right. Who knows what else? And finally, you know, the album comes out this year. Of course, the the only question remaining being, is it any good? So, Brian, is it any good? No, it's awful. 
uh, and this is why. This is not the Guns N' Roses. By, by the way, uh, in case you in case you're wondering, um, don't buy this album if you're one of those uh, 1990s, 1988 uh, appetite for destruction holdovers who swears by the power of Sweet Child of Mine. This is not this is not that no, Guns N' Roses not album. Guns N Roses. Uh, this is not a Guns N' Roses album at all. Like Guns N' Roses, th that band we knew and loved and rocked out to and and, and and whatever, that band is dead. I don't know what band showed up for this album, and God knows you know, it, so many other things had to happen for this to come to fruition, uh, but I'm no longer interested in that band. Like I, I'm fine with Guns N' Roses being dead. I'm much more interested in Axl Rose, the artist, and his evolution. And that's really, that's what came through... Uh, to me, on Chinese democracy, I heard so many. I mean, you 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 can encapsulate it best here in a second, but but so many different things were going on with this album that in the back of my mind, I, I just had to keep telling myself, well, that's what happens when you wait 17 years right. to get something done. But through through all of the crud that you have to cut through to to see any of the redeeming qualities of this album, the one thing that that held my interest was. Wow, Axl Rose has really put himself out there. He's really trying to to be more than just that guy who wails "Sweet Child of Mine" in front of two hundred and fifty thousand people at the L.A. Coliseum or whatever. Right. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was uh, as bad as as you were saying. Yeah, and the one thing I would take issue with that you said was that you know this is no longer Guns N' Roses. Now, certainly Guns N' Roses are more than Axl Rose. You got to have Slash in there, right? And for the hardcore, maybe you got to have Izzy Stradlin in there, Duff McKagan, whatever. But yeah, but to say that this is just not Guns N' Roses, I think goes too far because Axl Rose, I mean, was always the kind of leading light of Guns N' Roses. Okay, the Slash riffs were an essential part of it, but it still sounds to me like a Guns N' Roses record. The problem is, I guess, because you've got this seventeen-year break. Very few bands sound the same um, now than they did in 91. Right. But, of course, what we don't have in the interim is the evolution that right. took them from that point to, to now. In, in a sense, the band has gone through that, but without releasing any albums, you know, because it's taken in this long to put this album out. And I think um, it's not a fantastic album. I bought it I bought it used, uh, and I wouldn't have paid full whack for it. No. But it's close to being what I would call a 50% album. Uh, and, and the reason is that Axl Rose still knows his way around the tune. And there are enough enough decent tunes on this record that I can see myself regularly listening to maybe half of it. Uh, the problem being, as you mentioned earlier, that it's just overcooked because he spent 17 years and I guess felt every track had to be epic. Mm -hmm. There's everything, including the kitchen sink approach to every single song on exactly. here. And not every song needs a little hip-hop beat and a huge guitar solo with 10 people playing at once and, a, and an orchestra and a chorus and everything else. You, you just don't need Cowbell that. But it, but it makes me... I mean, the guy can still sing like nobody's business. Um, and there's still, there's still definitely, I think, a creative spark there. What I think will be interesting to see is that now he's got this album out of the way, uh, if, if he actually make, starts making an album on a regular basis every three or four years, then having kind of cleared the pipe, so to speak, uh, yeah. there might be, um, there might be, you might be room, have room to just focus on central good ideas and not feel like he has to chuck everything into every song. Amen to that. Well, we thought we had to mention uh, Chinese Democracy because it was you know, one of the biggest releases of the year and most, one of the most long-awaited albums uh, sure. uh, in, in rock history, good or for good or real. Uh, but now we come back to our final picks, and Brian is going to share with us his <laughs> album of the year, Drum Roll. Drum Roll. Uh, album of the year is uh, The Seldom Seen Kid by Elbow. Now, Elbow is a, is a British band. They're out of Manchester, and I've been uh, a faithful fan since about 2003, 2004, and I, this, this is how I describe Elbow to people. I tell them that if you, if you took 
the DNA of Coldplay and Radiohead and then mixed it together and injected it into the Frankenstein body of the Moody Blues, you add lightning and bam, what you have is elbow. And I know that's a really weird description, but that's the best I can do. I mean, no one, no one on the planet does epic, beautiful melancholy like elbow does. I mean, I, I, I just, I just, I, I, Brian's frothing at this point. I his am, eyes are getting really wide open. I mean, the man, the man, the man's passionate about his elbow. Yes, my. I love, so, and I'm I not love talking my, about the, the bit that connects his two bits right. of arms. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm sure the elbow <laughs> band are really sick of those jokes, but yeah, they I'm name sure themselves they elbow. What can you expect? Anyway, uh, it, it, it's it's they. This band, by the way, won the 2008 uh, Mercury Prize. Uh, which I think has been renamed to the Nationwide Mercury Prize for sponsorship or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, basically the Mercury Prize is the, they, they pick the best alternative album in all of the UK, uh, which, which means a lot because pretty much all the best music in the world is right now being made outside of the United States. Uh, you know, Canada's got an incredible scene up in Montreal, Toronto, with broken social scene, all those guys. Uh, but... But so many UK bands are just so, so good. And you'll find several of those bands and several of those people on our lists. Um, the best thing about the Seldom Seen Kid is that uh, it is yet another step in Elbow's evolution. They've, they've, they've really got this blue-collar heart on their, on their dirty, beer-stained, shirt-sleeve uh, mentality. And they've, they've really, they really give you everything they have on this album and what's even better is that you know that even when they're done you know that they still have room to grow on their next album which hopefully won't take them too long to make but because of all the the success critically and hopefully commercially that uh, that they found with seldom seen kid they'll probably be out touring and supporting it and by the way if anyone from elbow is listening uh, could you please come play the states i don't want to have to fly over to england i will but i, I don't want to have to so what are we going to hear from this album, Brian? Yes, we are going to hear a clip from The Loneliness of a Tower Crane Driver. Uh, it's a fantastic track. Uh, the, the title itself should, should tell you all you need to know, uh, but we'll just let you listen to it and judge for yourself. So that was The Loneliness of a Tower Crane Driver by Elbow, not to be confused with The Loneliness of a Middle Distance Runner by Bell and Sebastian, in case there are any <laughs> Scottish indie pop fans out there who are feeling a little confused right now. Um, okay. I like Elbow. I do. Uh, I wouldn't elevate them quite to the status of Album of the Year. Um, the, there's... There's a lot of Radiohead worship going on here, and that's not such a bad thing because you know Radiohead are one of those kind of you know genre-defining bands, mm. and then there are many bands that have come out in their wake that have been very good, and uh, the Coldplay uh, similarities are obvious there too. And I would say that um, if you look at Coldplay's recent output, then Elbow are more deserving of the success Coldplay have had than Coldplay are. Exactly, um, because you you can tell Elbow have been at it a while. There's real songwriting craft here. And they do uh, epic melancholy rather well. Yes. Uh, 
But I do wish they would do something other than epic <laughs> melancholy once in a while. Because, um, you know, they're, they're, they've got some interesting songwriting subjects here. But, you know, uh, I don't wish to sound heartless. Uh, I love my fellow man. But I don't care if tower crane drivers are particularly lonely. Uh, and that's a cheap shot, <laughs> fair enough. But, you know, I thought, I thought that was one of the weaker songs on the album. What? I mean, some of the, you know, some of the prettier songs. Are the, the opening track is brilliant. Mirrorball, I cannot Mirror stop listening to. Fantastic. You know, they're... Um, but the problem is that this album, to me, lacks a bit of momentum, and it, it sometimes it straddles the line and falls over into just mope rock. I mean, you, know, you talked about you know um, the the Bon Iver album. You know, just oh, that's much no, more no, of a pulse. No, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. You talk about him just whiffling on about you know uh, breakups. Now it's been done you know, a million times before. There's only so much complaining you know that I can listen to, and they do it well. I mean, if you look at you know after the. Uh, after the, the grunge revolution died a death and it just became commercial radio and, and awful bands like, you know, Three Doors Down and, and Nickelback or whatever, right. just banging on about how terrible everything was in a non-specific way. Um, <laughs> you know, the Elbow do it a lot better than that, but they, they, we've, we've been saturated, you know, I think, with, with that, that kind of misery uh, mm-hmm. to the point where th- this album's a very good album, it's a solid album, but I do wish they had just switched through the gears a bit more often. Um, that one, the one track, The uh, Grounds, Grounds for Divorce... For divorce. There was an attempt made there, but it seemed like they were just dragged back by their own inertia. It's like, no, we're wearing concrete boots so we can only run so fast. Well, I, I, won't, I won't disagree with you that Elbow has been, uh, uh, I don't want to say hesitant or, or afraid of, of wide stream, wide, mainstream acceptance. Wide stream. No, wide stream. Kind of, I guess that's like mainstream uh, epic right. stuff. Well, I, mean, wide, I, mean, I think you've invented a new kind of buzzword there. Wide well, thank stream. You. Wide uh, we'll start using that. Uh, I, I, I don't know if they've been afraid of it or they've just been hesitant to embrace it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there are there is a sense on this album, uh, you know, because two albums two albums previous on Cast of Thousands they had several tracks that that you know that had a, a quicker beat, and then on uh, on their 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 album after that, uh, uh, Leaders of the Free World, there's a very marching kind of you know. You know, we're we're building momentum to something, uh, and then boom! You know, seldom seen kid is what we get, and in a in a very kind of upbeat sense, uh, the album is probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a letdown. But I, I I don't know if that's just part of the band's identity, uh, or if that's a you know uh, you know a conscious decision that they're making. But but either way, they're still making music that's just as good, uh, if not better in some cases, than either uh, Radiohead or, or, or Coldplay. And it's criminal that Elbow doesn't have half the success or following is either of those two bands. Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, if you look at, you know, Radiohead, I mean, their experimental period went a bit f- too far off the rails for, for a lot of people. Uh, but their last album, uh, In, In Rainbows, Rainbows now, that, I, I think that's still uh, light years ahead of anything that Elbow have done. Did that come out this year? Did In Rainbows come out well, this year? Well, it, it's, it's featured in some year-end list, and it's sort of cheating, if you like, because, you know, they, they released it, they self-released it where you could download it from their website right. and pay what you wanted. That happened in November, and then they released the physical CD in January. Oh, okay. So yeah. I struggled over whether to include them on this okay. list, and I didn't, because I think I included them on my little list on the blog last gotcha. year, so, you know, that would be a little duplicitous, yeah. I thought. But okay. I'm just wondering, with this Elbow album, I mean, would you listen to it like if your dog died? I mean, since we were talking about that earlier with the Bon Iver album, you're wondering, I'm just wondering <laughs> what, what will put you in the mood to listen to the Seldom Scene Yes, I, I would much rather listen to the Seldom Scene Kid because uh, with tracks like Grounds for Divorce and uh, I think the, the Fix, the Fix is in, right. uh, uh, those, those two are, you know, very upbeat, very, 
you know, very smile-inducing songs. There's nothing smile-inducing about Bon Iver. Yeah, yeah, the fix is in. I, I love hearing about how something's completely rigged from the start. That makes me just smile right on Oh, come on, it's great. It's, 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 it's very, you know, dirty, rotten scoundrels. You know, two con men, they got all these great plans. You know, uh, if you I want to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which I don't, I'll go around the movie. <laughs> I've got no interest in hearing Elbow sing about it. I'd rather, I, I mean, I'd rather they stick to singing about crane drivers, frankly. I, I, would, I would argue that that, uh, that The Fix is in is, is, as a song, much better than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels ever was as a film. Yeah. So. Well, apparently our end-of-the-year picks are so hot, uh, folks, that they set off the fire alarm here at the uh, Fable Observer. They did indeed. So we had to uh, we had to break for a moment there to evacuate the building. But don't worry, we're fine. And, and you know what was interesting? That fire alarm, I mean, it was that was a really harsh kind of sound. It reminded me a bit of the Vampire Weekend. Oh, record. man. <laughs> but uh, bing! I'm sorry, I just right. couldn't, I couldn't resist no. that. Fair enough. Fair I'll tell enough. you what, though. If they used that as a fire alarm, that would clear buildings like that. You it, know what yes. I mean? Like, up next, Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa. <laughs> Run for the hills. Get Save out. yourselves. It's the band of the week. The, oh. We're not the band of next week. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So, so we, we both agree that Elbow's great, uh, and uh, it's definitely uh, worthy of picking up. I, I think it's the best of the year. But, Greg, uh, it is not at the top of your list, which, uh, which what is at the top of your list, sir? At the top of my list is the self-titled debut album from the Seattle band Fleet Foxes. Now, uh, those of you that read uh, you know, the music press at all may have seen this album uh, at the top of, of a lot of lists. And I hate to uh, you know, be seen as following the pack, but I'm certainly not going to strike out just for the sake of picking something different. Because the fact is, uh, I mean, I love this, all f- the other three albums I've talked to this year. I guess any of them on a different day could have been number one. But this album is truly a splendid album. And, you know, critics have been getting very frothy over it. And there are a lot of reasons why. But the fact is... Um, it's it's an absolute joy to listen to, which uh, I guess I may well have said that about the other picks on this list too. But this album is striking uh, in its beauty, and not just for the melodies, but the fact that the melodies are, are unpredictable. The first time you listen to it, they never, never take the easy option. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the, the 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 verse never leads into the kind of chorus you would expect. Um, to to use your DNA analogy uh, when you're describing <laughs> elbow, this. Uh, I suppose it's, it's kind of like Brian Wilson taking a walk in the Blue Ridge Mountains with the members of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And now, if that <laughs> makes if that makes anybody under fifty think, you know, I need to listen to some Vampire Weekend, don't because ah. you know because uh, this album uh, sounds incredibly fresh too. I mean, it's uh, certainly it's. Its history, its inspiration may be rooted in the early 70s, but it's very much an album of now. Uh, the, the most striking aspect of it um, is the, the, the vocal harmonies. They're just pitch perfect. Uh, and the, the whole thing has a kind of ghostly aura to it that you would imagine came from uh, singers and musicians a lot older than this band, which I think you know, Robin Pecknold, who uh, is a singer-guitarist and, and songwriter, um, is 21 or 22. God, I think, he even which, has a folk singer name. He does. And, you know, which is a bizarre coincidence because Pecknold is an anagram of Plodnik. And uh, the producer of this very podcast, his last name is Plotnik. Now, if that's not weird and spooky, I don't know what is. I mean, that's, that's as scary as the yeah. Niles Barkley singer. That's how scary it that's is. That's how scary it is. But uh, anyway, to, to, to get back to the music, um, before we let Brian loose on this, and I dread to think uh, what, what, <laughs> what, what, what kind of diatribe he's going to launch into, we're going to hear uh, a little snippet, and this is from the song, song Ragged Wood 
from the Fleet Foxes self-titled debut album. Okay, Brian, do your worst. All right. Uh, actually, uh, this they, they should have changed the name of the band or the CD or both to uh, Super Mega Trippy Bluegrass Sunshine Explosion. That's what they, that's what they <laughs> should have called. How long did you take? How long did you work on that name for? Oh, it was instant. The minute the really? minute I got to uh, listening to the CD, I was like, my God, uh, this this band this is the band out of place and out of time. Your, your analogy with Brian Wilson and. Uh, uh, Neil Young, Crutchfield, it is so appropriate. Uh, you know, it's fantastically written, uh, incredibly gorgeous uh, album, and it's their debut. So, of course, their their follow up album is going to be you know utter garbage. Of course, <laughs> the, the, based on what? what because you because well, every every second album is usually garbage. You know, hang on, hang hang on. And hang usually, on. usually, not yeah, all the time. The Odd Couple, the Odd Couple two on your list. That's a second album, right? It is a second album. Garbage it's usually. It? No, no, it's not garbage. It's fantastic. Uh, I'll tell you, I, well, you know, Vampire Weekend's second, second album. You were talking about some garbage, anyway. Oh, <laughs> they don't have a second album. I'm going to stop harping on about Vampire Weekend. I'm going to come across as one-dimensional, and I really wouldn't want that. And, right. you know, if Vampire Weekend, if you're listening, which, of course, I'm sure you will be, of course. Um, you know, it's not like I could make a better album. It's easy to sit here and make judgments. And, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're very nice boys, and you love your mothers. And, <laughs> uh, really, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that it's your album so bad. It's just that all the uh, all the critical credit it's got is just, just, you know, makes me want to chew off my own kneecaps. Anyway, right. proceed. In, okay. Out of time. So, so Fleet, Fleet Foxes. All right, Fleet Foxes. Uh, it's it's for, in my mind, it's the kind of album that you listen to once, and that's it. There's, when your dogs died, or no, 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 no. You, this this album actually has you know, uh, you know, if you're just sitting down in the mood for some good music, and you're not going anywhere for a while, and you actually want to actively listen and enjoy, and there's a real sense of feedback between the the, the music and and the listener, which is great. Very few bands can do that, and they do that really, really well. But like I said, it's only something that you can that I can stand to listen to once because after all this incredible beauty, uh, you, you start to realize you want to go and kill yourself. I mean, no, 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 no. It, 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 look, this isn't American Beauty, all right? I'm not Sam Mendes or whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, you, I think you realize at one point that uh, uh, that this is incredibly good, if you can call it prog folk or folk prog or whatever. But but that's prog. it. Maybe. Yeah, Prague. 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 Uh, it's, it's a difficult word to get you. It, it you is. Know. We've already created widestream. Widestream and, and Prague. Or Prague. This is, is frog music. It is <laughs> frog music. But but that's it. That that. It, it's, it's. I'm sorry. It's it's defined by its limitations. It it's incredibly good frog music, but it's incredibly good frog music. Brian, Brian, you're my colleague and my friend, and I love you. But you, you're just very confused right now because you you said barely a minute ago that you, it's the kind of album you could sit down and enjoy. It. You, you can, can sit down you and can, feedback, but, but you don't even want to do it once. Well, if you once. enjoyed it, why wouldn't you do it again? I mean, how many times have you eat chocolate in your life? Oh, did you eat it once? And, well, that was good. I'm never going to do that again. You know, <laughs> I mean, something you like. Oh, no, 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 but I don't that have doesn't to make any sense at all. No, because I don't, don't have to. I don't have to get hit by this 
range of, of emotions when I eat chocolate. Chocolate just an immediate satisfaction. Yeah, you can do that 100 So what you're times. saying is you want your music prepackaged, neat, tidy. You don't want it to challenge you too much. You want Vampire Weekend is what oh you're saying. Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, you, Boom. That, that horse is glue and gone, my friend. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the uh, truth? Vampire <laughs> Weekend is most definitely no, you're glue factory. You said it. I Ladies did. and gentlemen, Brian Dukes I just did. admitted it. Vampire Weekend are glue. <laughs> I was referring to your... They're glue like the kind of... Your anyway. dogmatic adherence to your criticism of it. No, just look. Look, uh, Flea Foxes is great. It deserves all the critical praise that, that it gets, but... Once. I just... Once, right. Like, I just can't get uh, uh, these heavy... You know, like like elbow at least has some up tempo numbers to keep you interested and 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 counterbalance all of the of the of the heavier moments. Does but yeah, I must have I must have missed those. Yeah, you, know, you, you miss uh, grounds for divorce. You know, so that's a good rambling drinking song, man. Uh, but, but Fleet Foxes is just you know nothing but 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 heavy heavy heavy. It's it's like. You know, like like if Fleet Foxes and Bon Iver got in a room together, they would all just get drunk and die. That, that, that's what it was. <laughs> they would just get drunk and die, but they'd have a great time doing it, and, and that's what you. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's oodles of fun. That is. <laughs> well, that's anybody saying Leaving Las Vegas? Yeah, right. right. This is the Leaving Las Vegas of, of frog music. But and, and by the way, uh, uh, the, their song uh, Tiger Mountain Tiger Mountain Peasant Song. Yeah, uh, is is a total rip. Off a song, thirty years, it's it's senior, and the the the, the, the title escapes me. Uh, but listen, uh, if, if you're listening, I'm going to listen to it. You don't know what song it is. No, 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 no. Just listen, listen to Tiger uh, Tiger Mountain Peasant song, and oh, just well. and and you know, listen to it two or three times, and it will remind you. I'm, I'm only allowed to listen to it once, though. Well, right. How many I'm, times did you kidding. listen to it? <laughs> I would probably two or three times, but I was trying to figure out what what this. I mean, well, basically, what I'm saying is that you know, you, you said it all. Uh, this this album is is incredible for its for its age, and it, there's there's no telling where this band is going to go uh, from this point. I, I hope that their song that their their sound evolves. Uh, but every time I hear a Bon Iver or Fleet Foxes, I'm reminded of Ray uh, Lamontague. I don't know if you ever heard any of his yeah, stuff, a little bit. Uh, but he had this gorgeous, breathy, folk, atmospheric, you know, uh, incredible album. Um, but but that was it. Like you could listen to it once, and and, and then you were done uh, because you got it, and and there was no repeated joy in in listening to it. And he hasn't come out with anything since. I, I think he might be writing something, but. Uh, but I, I just those kinds of albums that have very little repeat value, I don't rank as high as others. See, that's a, uh, I can see, uh, I can see why you would say that you know those kind of albums you don't rank as high as others. But what I don't get is that, uh, like we said at the, at the top of this podcast, you know these are the the albums that have moved us and continue to move us. And the thing with Fleet Foxes is that music is so joyful that I keep going back to that well and supping from it on a regular basis because there's so much joy in it. And it's not, you know, there are some songs, you know, the, some of the big hits you might hear on the radio, you listen to it, wow, that's great, you know, but it's like a donut, it's a sugar rush, but then the next time it's not as good and the next time after that and soon you're utterly sick of it, you know. Um, uh, yeah, with Fleet Foxes, and I know you're grinning because you thought I was going to drop a vampire. I was, and I was, I was tempted, I, I just, you know, but I do have restraint, just a little, just a tiny teaspoonful enough of restraint. Uh, but see, Fleet Foxes, to me, the joy is not diminished one iota with every repeat listen. In fact, it just grows. It's like, you know, being in a loving relationship. It just gets better and better and better with time. Well, well like I said, you know, you, you sh- we, they should call the band Super Mega Trippy Bluegrass Sunshine Explosion. It, it is. So you did work on that because you've memorized it. You said that perfectly. So I couldn't even remember it. Trippy. Well, it helps I wrote it down over here. Right. Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, I you guess know. But, but no, I mean, it's, 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 it's a. Okay, fine. It's, it's a. It's a. It's. It, 
it's a sunshine enema. You know, whatever. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm sure Fleet Foxes will be delighted to have their music. By the way, Fleet in such terms. By the way, Fleet Foxes, uh, have your producers call me. They can use that quote uh, anytime. Uh, yeah, they'll be lining up to use that in the marketing for yeah, album the number marketing. two. Yeah, Sunshine Enema, Brian Dukes, Fable Observer. It, you know, it, it's a great album. It's just, you know, it's just man, I just, I, I can't, I, I just can't listen to it very often. And, and in my mind, an album, no matter how great it is, uh, you know, like the White Album, like the White Album's brilliant, brilliant, best, one of the best albums, if not, you know, top three, top five albums of all time in the past, you know, fifties, what, however many years, but. Yeah, how many times can you just listen and listen and listen to the White Album, you know, back to back to back? You can't. It's just so dense. And, and, and a lot of the albums on your list, Greg, are very dense. I don't know if that's a personal reflection of yourself, <laughs> but, but I'm just going to say... Well, you, no, you, you may have hit on something there, because although, you know, the two of us are sitting elbows three inches apart, we may be further apart in the musical spectrum than we thought, because... When you were talking about the White Album, to me, I, I can put the White Album on any old time. I usually, generally, I pretty much keep that in the car. Mm. And uh, because I don't find it to be dense at all. I think the variety in there makes it uh, a more enjoyable repeat listen than some other Beatles albums, you know. Um, and I haven't picked up on the denseness of the picks on my list, but perhaps because, you know, we, the, these things being subjective, you know, we're not always the best uh, objective judge of our sure, own taste. Sure. And so maybe that's it, you know. Maybe um, you just don't get dense music because, you know, you like <laughs> right. everything to right. be served on a little plastic plate, you know, with a knife yeah. and fork and, like, this is, here are the peas and here's the potatoes and here's the meat. Yeah, you I, don't I, want to be, you know, challenged. I listen to Elbow and, and Nerls Barkley and I don't get dense music. Maybe maybe Rubber Soul was a better comparison. Maybe, maybe I should have gone with Sgt. Pepper's instead of uh, White Album. But. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't find any, I wouldn't say any of the Beatles albums were particularly dense. Now, there are albums... Well, Abbey Road, man. You can listen to Abbey Road once and be done. I mean, really. Well, once really. In, a, in, a, in a go. But it's not like you say, oh, well, I'll never listen to that again. I mean, I assume, it's not like I'm going to listen to Abbey Road, like, a lot. Like, I've got, like, every, every Beatles album, you know, in all the, you know, weird compilations and everything in my, in my, in my little CD holder in my car... And, and every once in a while, I'll whip one out and throw it in there and be like, okay, yeah, this is great, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it, it's fantastic, it's groundbreaking, whatever, I appreciate it, but man, i I, I got to listen to something else now. Right. And that's how I feel about you know, several of your picks. Well, you know, the, 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 there's something to be said for the, the point you're making about albums that are just hard to listen to, or you've got to be in the right mood to sit down and listen to. Um, but I certainly wouldn't apply that to uh, any of my choices. Obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be the top picks on my list. But there you have it, there listeners, for... Copper Bottoms hits from me and four albums that were released this year from Brian Duke. <laughs> and hopefully in those eight albums plus Guns N' Roses, you might find something. If you listen to those clips, you know, you can find probably full tracks on YouTube. The albums are all on iTunes and Amazon and all good retailers, blah, blah, blah. Check them out. Please do check out the blog at blogs.fayobserver.com slash share, S-H-A-R-E to tell us what you thought of the podcast, which we're hoping might be a kind of semi-regular thing here, uh, talking about some music as 2009 rolls out, uh, and share some of your own top picks of the year, because uh, Brian and I are always up for hearing some new music. Uh, just, if you're going to direct anything towards Brian, don't make it too dense. <laughs> keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. Um, and I guess, uh, that's the, anything else you want to kind of mention? I mean, any honorable mentions, albums that we don't have time to talk about that you'd just love to oh. mention that were great? I mean, there were so yeah. many. Yeah, I... I I know Tokyo Hotel, uh, I think they released their album last year, uh, but it's just a great band, great, great album, uh, and these kids are going to be kids to watch. Like, you know, right now they're making a lot of bubblegum kind of, you know, pop rock kind of stuff, right. but there's some real depth there in their songwriting. It, it's scary how good these kids are, 
at this point, like the, the very Beatlesque in their nineteen like 1962, 1963 kind of stage uh, for the Beatles. But uh, but I think these kids could be really 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 fantastic. So yeah, make a note of that, listeners. Once Vampire Weekend have faded from the public consciousness, Tokyo Hotel will be ready to pick up the baton <laughs> and uh, and run with it. Uh, for me, I don't know, Air France, who are uh, obviously from Sweden, uh, are well worth your time, um, and uh, you can find their stuff on iTunes. They're a kind of um, Balearic inflected dance thing, it's, uh, it's just all very, very, um, you'd, you'd like it, because it's kind of summery and not too challenging, and you know, it kind of gets you in a good mood, right. kind of music, but okay. anyway, so check them out too, and thank you very much for listening. Thanks for having me, Greg. And check out the blog, fayobserver.com, and uh, for fayobserver.com, I'm Greg Phillips. I'm Brian Dukes. Thanks.